0: Welcome to the Capgemini Cybersecurity Podcast, where we will discuss security aspects in different industry segments with focusing on the transforming IT landscape. Retail will be addressed in its first series of podcasts, and we will discuss how the retail sector are doing today when it comes to cybersecurity in general, challenges we see, and impact from rapid move to cloud and new data platforms. So I'm your host, Peter Hansen, and today we're focusing on the cybersecurity threats we see when it comes to attacks and penetration attempts. With me from UK, I have Lee Newcomb, welcome.
1: Hi Peter, thank you for inviting me on today. So yeah, my name's Lee Newcomb. I sit in the center of excellence within the UK cybersecurity unit. And outside of Capgemini, I also chair the UK chapter of the Cloud Security Alliance, uh, which will become more relevant the more we focus on cloud. Welcome, and
0: as I said, I'm Peter Hansen. I'm part of Capgemini's center of excellence cybersecurity unit in Sweden focusing on governance, risk, and compliance, um, and therefore also focusing on information security. So, as an introduction to this, according to the Thales 2018 data threat report, 75% of retailers in U.S. have experienced a breach in the past compared to 52% the previous year. U.S. retail are also more inclined to store sensitive data in the cloud compared to the global average. So... Lee, do you have any fun facts to share? I'm
1: not sure it's fun so much as slightly scary, but I'm currently looking at the haveibeenpwned.com website, which is reporting that there are 7.8 billion pwned accounts on the website at the moment. So more than one account per individual on the planet has been hacked already.
0: Well, that's probably more scary than fun, actually. (laughs) So there has been a lot of focus for many years now in terms of vulnerabilities. And vulnerabilities, many see purely us patches. So what would you say is the difference between vulnerability management and threat intelligence?
1: So vulnerability management is all about identifying where your information systems and data is vulnerable. So where it can be hacked, where it can be compromised. So that's not just a case of missing patches. It can be a case of poor configuration or perhaps things being exposed that maybe shouldn't be exposed in terms of services or maybe your data going where it shouldn't go. So there are kind of ways to uh, identify those vulnerabilities. So using your familiar vulnerability assessment tools like your Nessus and your Qualys, etc. And then you can go away and fix the issues that those tools find for you. Threat intelligence takes it from another angle. So threat intelligence is all about identifying who the bad guys are that might look to take advantage of those vulnerabilities. So the hackers, the organized criminals, etc., that would be out there looking to take advantage of those vulnerabilities but threat intel is a particularly interesting area because it touches on some of the other problems we have in security around terminology so if i say threat to you it might mean something different to if i say threat to somebody else so i define threat as being the bad guys out there looking to do things other organizations might define threat as being a specific attack for example
0: yeah i totally agree and also because one of the the real aspects of moving to cloud is usually that you don't need to maintain your environment, you don't need to apply patches um and therefore it's 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 kind of suggested that the actual threat towards your environment would be less, which is it probably will, but we're not only talking patches when we're talking about threats
1: no we we're certainly not, and I think when we start talking about this in the cloud context. The threats stay the same. The same bad guys are out there and they're going to be going after your systems whether they're on-premises or on the cloud. It's the same threats. And indeed, the impacts are similar as well. The only differences might be around some of the uh, vulnerabilities that they'd look to uh, take advantage of because your attack surface is going to be somewhat different. You will have different places where you expose your systems and your data when you're on the cloud than you do when you're on-premises.
0: Yeah, and some of the biggest breaches has actually been... Um, in the cloud environments or on the cloud environments, uh, such as as wrong configurations. So, so even if you have a fully patched system, a uh, fully patched cloud environment, that doesn't mean that that you are are safe from from bad configuration.
1: Yeah, Don't get me started on leaky S3 buckets. Uh, you quite often see the narrative that more information is leaked from the cloud, and that's not usually the case because when you start thinking about things like uh, Amazon S3 buckets, they are actually secure by default. Users have to purposefully open up those buckets to the internet for then the bad guys to come in and take the data. Uh, so this misconfiguration in the cloud is, is one of the bigger issues. It's not uh, the case that the cloud is inherently insecure, but it can certainly be made insecure if you don't do it properly.
0: So, so what, about, what about the the discussion around whether you should use one of the big cloud providers or if you should use a smaller uh, local cloud provider—would you say there are any difference in, in in how they
1: see the 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 basic security for those? Oh, that's very much a it depends kind of question, isn't it? Uh, I'm sure there are some very good smaller cloud providers. I quite like the, the hyperscale cloud providers because they have the scale uh, and they have that insight across their entire cloud customer base as well in terms of what they're seeing. And they also have the scale in terms of innovation. So when you see what uh, Microsoft's doing with Azure, so they've got Sentinel out there now, which is a cloud-based SIEM part of the Azure platform. If you look what Amazon's doing with GuardDuty for its threat monitoring and its security hub where it can now take feeds from third-party products as well as its own sources, you tend to find that the, the security innovation these days is with the hyperscale cloud providers. Uh, The smaller cloud providers, as I said, could have good expertise, and they may well be targeted for local regulatory requirements. And if you're dealing with some more sensitive, maybe government data, then that kind of sovereign cloud is a good option. Uh, But in general, I personally prefer to go with the hyperscale guys. Okay.
0: So looking at at our experience and and our customers that we have worked with, um, maybe especially in the last five years when cloud has has really spun off to be something. Many of our customers have an environment which has been a little bit neglected. Um, so, would cloud adoption in itself uh, make the threat less for, for those companies? I think
1: there are two points I'll pick up on that one. Uh, one is it depends, because we mentioned there about the S3 buckets and misconfiguration. If you don't know what you're doing and you're putting all your data into this cloud and it's misconfigured, then it may not help you, but if you do know what you're doing, there is a real opportunity to improve your security posture by moving to the cloud. If you consider the last couple of years, you had uh, WannaCry, you had NotPetya. NotPetya really identified the need to move away from flat networks. So when you're thinking about traditional legacy environments, and we're talking about retail, quite a few retail networks that I'm aware of are are quite flat. They don't have that segmentation. So that makes it really easy for something like NotPetya to just run straight through that entire environment and, and taking out organizations. Whereas if you move to the cloud, you can then start thinking about doing your segmentation properly. So you could put each application into its own account so then if you do lose an application you just lose that application and that single account you don't lose the entire infrastructure so cloud done well i think is a really good opportunity to improve your security posture cloud done badly is like anything that's done badly it's not going to work out very well for you
0: yeah and and with with my with my focus area as in information security i think many are are still forgetting about the information ownership um information classification And for for that, cloud adoption in itself doesn't really help.
1: Yeah, where I've seen cloud adoptions fail is where the organization hasn't had the governance. So they haven't got the ownership of the cloud strategy. They don't know who's responsible for managing cloud risk. And if they're going down that route of kind of bimodal or multimodal IT, where you've got your slower moving traditional IT in one part and your digital DevOps piece in another part, and they're trying to uh, apply the same security controls to both, that doesn't work either. You've got to be able to get your security management and governance right, as well as the wider organizational governance. Otherwise, it's not gonna work out for you. So in, in, in
0: terms of, of threat intelligence and, and, and the cloud environments, what, what would you say makes retail as, as an industry unique compared to, for example, finance or manufacturing?
1: Retail's really interesting in that it has such a wide range of possible attack vectors. So lots of retailers moving towards e-commerce. So you've got your website, obvious attack vector for, for a hacker. When you start thinking about the big retailers, then they might have their own farms. If it's a, a kind of a high street retailer selling farm products, they might have their own farms. Uh, if they're selling products, then they might have their own factories. They'll also have their own distribution centers. All of these are different areas that an attacker could use to to attack them. And then you start thinking about their physical stores and the store back office. Again, and another route in for the bad guys. Uh, and the other interesting thing about retail is they hold a lot of personal information. Uh, they could well be uh, at least having access to payment card details, even if they don't store them. Uh, and that's where the bad guys will go after them because they realize that retailers are perhaps not quite as secure as other organizations holding those card details such as the banks and the financial services sector. And that's why you'll find people like the, the Cart criminal gang going after uh, digital retailers uh, because that enables them to siphon off the payment card details off their websites. Uh, so retail is an, a highly targeted sector.
0: Based, based on a sheer, sheer volume of, of interesting data they will retain, uh, such yeah. as number, customer information, and so on.
1: Yes, indeed. And then there are also other attack vectors as well. So when you start thinking about uh, the goods that they sell, so you could be thinking about uh, shrinkage. So from an internal staff perspective, retailers tend to suffer from maybe losing something like one and a half percent of sales to shrinkage, which could be due to shoplifting, could be due to employees helping themselves to a little bit of the stock, or maybe uh, playing about with the discount codes, etc. So shrinkage is a traditional problem in retail. That doesn't go away when you start thinking about uh, digital retail either so shrinkages there is a bit of a problem
0: yeah and then the retail industry in specific especially if we look at the, the business to consumer market uh the retail industry has undergone a, quite a, a big shift in the last um well in the notice in the last 5 years so everyone is sort of having a uh, an ambition to to be really digital to be really available to be really um well exposed um, to, to the internet to be able to provide their customers the advantage of of buying stuff from them. But also working with security, that, that gives some challenges in terms of um, being able to keep up with business requirements of, of meeting the customer demands.
1: Yeah, everybody's got to keep up with Amazon these days, haven't they? So everybody knows that Amazon is the big beast in the retail world at the moment. And that's what, their customers are used to dealing with now. So if you can't service your customers in the same kind of way that Amazon can, then you're, you're going to get eaten up by Amazon at some point. Uh, so retail organizations have got to be able to adapt rapidly to those customer needs, which means that they need to be able to uh, update their offers on a regular basis, update their stock on a regular basis, and then service their customers as quickly as they can in terms of uh, meeting that thing from order to delivery. The customer experience has got to be strong.
0: Yeah. And, and from, from the security professional point of view, the security professionals needs to adapt in the same way, because if if we try to, to restrict business from adapting to this, they will simply bypass us.
1: Yeah. We're, we're past the days now where you can necessarily do a full on penetration test of every single release when organizations are doing multiple releases on their website on a daily basis. So that's when you have to start thinking about shifting left and moving your security controls as far to the left as you can in the development lifecycle. So automating your security testing during development and uh, embedding those controls within the, the wider development pipeline. Yeah, exactly. Implementing
0: secure DevOps or DevSecOps, depending on who you talk to.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of flip flop between whether or not I prefer DevOps or DevSecOps on that one to be
0: fair. Yeah, I think, I think we have a lot of people doing that. Um, so do you have any any short examples of what can actually go wrong?
1: I mentioned Magecart earlier on, which is a really interesting criminal grouping. Uh, what they tend to do is they infect the supply chain. So when you think about an organization's website, there'll be lots of third-party components on that website, perhaps maybe a chatbot or something like that. If Magecart can infect that chatbot and introduce a little bit of extra JavaScript code, then what they can do is act as credit card skimmers. So what happens is the customer will go to the website, input their credit card details, and this sneaky bit of code that they've managed to infect the website with will pass those credit card details off to an infrastructure that these criminal guys control. And that's a, that's one way where criminals are able to get hold of credit card data. And that's that's Magecart, who are a very active criminal grouping.
0: Yeah, we have another example from from last year where where a third-party uh, vendor or a third-party component vendor um, went out in, I think it was February, uh, and announced their component to be vulnerable and, and that you needed to, to update it. Um, and in May, there was a big distributor of, of uh, a specific service that actually was breached and had to go out to, to all these customers and, and apologise for it.
1: Yeah, supply chain attacks are going to be a growing area of concern because the bigger organisations are getting their act together now in terms of how they develop their own applications. Uh, you just need to be very careful then about what third-party components you introduce. Uh, and that's another advantage going towards that DevSecOps approach is that you can then start thinking about introducing third-party dependency checkers into your development pipeline to make sure that the third-party libraries you're using don't contain vulnerabilities.
0: Yeah, and, and threat intelligence as such is, is really important as well because we tend to focus a lot of, of te- on, on technical threats. Uh, but one of the things included in threat intelligence reports, such as the one from Capgemini, is also when we look at campaigns such as, as uh, phishing, spear phishing, whale fishing, uh, all types of phishing. So, so it's not only a technical aspect, but also also the, the user aspect.
1: Yes, businesses, business email compromise is a big thing that we see. And Whenever I go off and talk with uh, senior execs, it's when I start talking about those phishing emails that I always get those kind of slight smiles and twinkles in the eyes because they've all received those kind of emails. Uh, I think my favourite example of that at the moment is a organisation I'm aware of where the CFO actually retrieved one of these emails from their spam folder before processing the funds transfer. Uh, so there is a degree of user awareness training that has to go alongside uh, all the technical controls you can put in place to try and avert this phishing risk. Definitely. So
0: Lee, do you do you want to have do you have any final remarks or or insights what what we will see in the next 24, 36
1: months? Oh, I think we will continue to see increase in cloud adoption. I think in the retail sector, you will still see the retailers avoiding Amazon because they view them as competitors. So I think there's a, there's a fertile ground there for Microsoft and Google in terms of retail usage of cloud services. And I think the other thing that we haven't spoken about but needs calling out is the danger of shadow IT. So organizations, including retail, need to understand what cloud services they're already using. Because they are probably already sending their data off to a variety of software as a service offerings that they're not already aware of, and from a GDPR perspective, that's a that's a bit of a ticking time bomb from my perspective.
0: Yeah, and that that is that is actually one of my biggest discussion topics. No matter what customer I talk to, uh, focusing on the information and, and and the basis of of information wherever it's stored, um, it usually is the fact that when you start digging into it. Um, the information and the information owners pretty much lost control in some aspects where the information ends, um, and that is that is not something that neither neither legacy nor nor cloud adoption will help them.
1: No, you you need to know where your information is if you're going to be able to control
0: it. Definitely. So I would like to thank Lee for joining me today.
1: Yep. Thank you, Peter. And if anybody wants to reach out, they can always get me on Twitter. So that's at Lee underscore Newcombe.
0: Thank you. And I would also like to thank you for listening in from wherever you are in the world. And also, once again, point out that there will be more episodes coming with retail in mind, which you will find in Capgemini's channel through your favorite podcast player. So if you enjoyed this, please also share via social media. We look forward to you joining us for a future episode of the Capgemini cybersecurity podcast. Goodbye.